But anyway, thank you, Brother Kenny. <laughs> well, how are you all this morning? I don't think that's very, very enthusiastic from you guys at all this morning. Well, at least, at least I can hear Brother Kenny now. Not, the rest of you all need some work this morning. I think I told you guys, I like it when I get some feedback sometimes. It makes me realize that I'm not just talking in a microphone to a bunch of cardboard cutouts like we saw during some of the World Series games and whatever else they had going on during COVID. Because that's never a fun thing. But anyway, it's been one of those weeks, hasn't it? Who's enjoyed all the windstorms? What about all the rain? And then the ice on the driveway that, that Bethany decided she wanted to go and become an ice skater on before school one morning. I mean, in my house, you never know what you're going to get or what you're going to see. And I'm sure the same is true for yours. <clears throat> we all go through these, these moments and these, these crazinesses that you, you just don't know what's going to hit next. And I think that is so true for us all in every single moment of our lives. But one of the things I love is the fact that even in the darkest moments, God is still God. Can I get an agreement? Even when we have what we call church mice in the church and during the worship, God is still God. I mean, I just fixed another church mouse right now when you didn't even realize it that I had to look at. Because let me tell you, if I look in the back of the church, the clock has been saying 745 for about 24 hours now. So good luck. If it's never going to hit 12 o'clock, you're never going to get lunch, right? But I, I, I got my other technology fixed, so I know it's 11.29. I have 31 minutes before Brother Jack and a couple of you are ready to go to Bob Evans, I'm sure. But what I feel that God has been saying is kind of a continuation off of last week. I told you last week that I was going to do a part two or a part three on, on rest and those aspects because the notes that I had were going to be continuations. And the thing that I found funny was is that God was speaking to me even greater about what the church needs right now. Am I doing something funny, Sister Phyllis? I don't know. You guys are laughing, and I'm like, okay, is my fly unzipped? And I get a little self-conscious sometimes. But, but last week I talked about the rest of rest. The misconception that we place in rest, which leads us to seek rest in the power of our own hands. It is the same side effect that we see played out, out and about in our world. And it's the second we have discomfort that we start trying to formulate the appropriate response to try to find the need to bring peace. I know we all do that. Lord knows I did it last week again, even after I preached the message I was like, I had some issue coming up, and I'm like, okay, how can I calculate this to make it to where I can go and fix this or that? Because let me say, Melissa was telling you that we were getting calls left and right from all the people being sick. And in my own household, I got sickness going on too. It seems like I got five kids, and they keep passing around the different ailments, and they all keep mixing, and they keep coming into this giant new, what is it, a transformer version of, of, of a megazoid version of a virus that it just seems like it's knocking us all out. I know I'm using some newer terms and some older terms trying to, trying to explain, 
But nonetheless, it's a crazy, chaotic mess, and I'm trying to calculate and formulate, what can I do to keep myself sane, to keep myself healthy? And I'm like, okay, I guess I better chug about 1,000 gallons of orange juice this morning. Because you know vitamin C is the thing that keeps you healthy, right? But it's just so true. But even though I preached the message where I talked about how the secret of God's rest was to know that he's trying to help us to recover, but also he's trying to bring a catalyst in our life so that he can cultivate and colonize our souls for his purpose. You see, God's purpose of rest is the process to allow us to find comfort, but also a reliance on him in times where we are called to trust him. And those times are not easy times. I know several people that were looking for a house and they were struggling and trying to figure it out. And all I could tell them was, I don't know the answer, but I know that God has an ability to do what he can do and you're going to love the outcome that's going to come through it. And for somebody that's watching on the live stream, I'm really praying that I've heard that they're going through a dark season. I want you to know right now that God is moving on your situation. It might look bleak. It might look harsh. But God is moving because God is a good God and he's not going to change. And that's why when I got the scripture that I talked about last week and he says, this is the scripture I want you to talk about again this week. I'm like, God, how many avenues can I go around on one scripture? And then I remembered when I first got here to to become a pastor, I think I went through the same scripture like four times in four different sermons, and you were like, are we ever going to get done with this scripture? And then I said, okay, God, I guess I can go around about 30 different directions. Let's go. But if you have your Bibles, I don't have it on the screen this morning, but you all, I'm sure, if you've been in the church, have heard this, and you heard it last week if you were here. It's out of Matthew chapter 11. And it says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Father God, Lord, you know what you spoke. You know I got pages of notes that will go far beyond the 31 minutes that I have calculated and formulated for this sermon. But God, bring to the remembrance of what I need to say to these people, Lord, to your people, your children, your sons and daughters, so that they will have the edification, Lord, to stand a little stronger just today, just this week, Lord, until we get to come back again. But God, let this go into our hearts and our minds and our souls and let it be a thing that transforms us even greater as we look to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? You see, it's a thing where we're seeking God and we're crying out for God and we're trying to find hope in everything that we have. But it's not always the easiest thing because we go through hard seasons, illness, Lord knows I'm ready for this trifecta of illness, the flu, the RSV, and COVID, and everything else to just go away and see some reprieve and relief and all of it. But I know it's not always going to happen. But it's hard because I know the medical side of things, and it's hard for me to always say, okay, let me go and touch this and and ask God to move sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, let's go take a Tylenol and, and, and just deal with it a little bit. I don't think, let's me go get the anointing oil and just do the holiness thing and let me pour it all over your head and see what transforms your life. 
Or other ones were struggling economically, like we're looking at the world today. Or a nation turning away from God as a season that we struggle through. Or a season of loss, as even Brother Chip was alluding to. A season of uncertainty that I know is going to be ever-present in our lives. Or a season of mourning, or in a season of exhaustion, or a season of worry. You see, God has come, and He's trying to tell us, that Jesus came to us to show us a true hope when he spoke the words, come to me, all who are labor or, or labor and heavy laden. Those words right there have an impact on our lives if we would really take understanding of it. Labored means if you're struggling, if you're having a hardship, if you're dealing with some doubt or discomfort or even in a season of depression, he's saying, come to me. Or if you're heavy laden, if you feel like you're overwhelmed and you, you're about ready to sink, he says, turn to me and, and find me and I'll, I'll show you something that you need for these moments in your life. And it's not always easy. Because the human nature says, no, I don't want to turn to you, Jesus. I want to formulate my own way. That's what the world keeps teaching us. It's not about going to church anymore. It's about going and finding some kind of guru that will tell you how to get through X, Y, Z. If you drink this magic potion or if you take this special pill, all of it's going to calculate and work out right. Trust me, if you don't believe me, turn on TV a little bit and you'll find how many advertisements for weight loss treatments. If you drink this magic pill, you're going to go and you're going to shrink five times your sizes. I've tried a couple of them, I'll be honest. I don't think they worked. <laughs> Better yet, you have advertisements for medicines that say, hey, we'll cure this, but then you go and read the side effects, and I'm like, you're just going to tell me I, I'm going to have the same effects of what I'm dealing with with a side effect of what this medicine's supposed to cure. Not everything's a magic pill. Lord knows, I would love to have the Jack and the Beanstalk guy going, hey, if you sell me, I'm going to give you a lick of pills and we're going to see what you're going to find, all these riches. But it's not what happens. But yet we have a God that loves us so much that he sent him onto this earth to give us a truth in our lives that will allow us to find and understand what rest is. I told you last week, like I said, that rest is about getting comfort and it's about regaining strength. But it's also allowing God to do something within you that he needs to do. And I've went through the Old Testament, I've went through the New Testament, and I've seen it so true. I've seen it true in the church as it's grown beyond the New Testament apostles. After the, the final pages of the New Testament were written, you can read about it in the historical accounts of God moving on his church, trying to wake them up to the truth that they need to be fully reliant on him and all that they do. Trying to. But I always love going back to scripture because it's the easiest thing to always point back to because I can never tell you all the history books that I've read that tell you the accounts. So what did I do? I'm going to have you look at Moses. I want you to think about Moses. We all know the story. He, he goes and he's got this rod and he turns it into a snake. He goes up to Pharaoh and he says, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. 
And then all the plagues hit, and then he then he's like, okay, go, and then he goes, and then all of a sudden they're at a river, and they're like, we can't go across. You're really going to kill us, Moses. What did you do? And then he stretched out his staff, and all of a sudden the part the seas parted. And you see the confidence and the comfort that, that was waiting on the other side. You see, the Israelites served for 400 years as slaves in Egypt. Serving and dealing with the grind and doing all these different things. But yet God was still moving on their lives even in the darkest moments. If you don't believe me, just look. Their numbers went up to millions in population size. God's blessing the people for a purpose that he's got set up in his place. And so as they're, they're crying out, God, we're so tired of doing all the brick making. God, we're so tired of having to do all their labor. God, we're so tired of not having it just right. Give us rest. He says, okay, I'm going to send Moses. And then they start questioning every single moment of what they're encountering along the way. They get to the Red Sea. They're like, Moses, what did you just do? They're going to kill us over here because we're over here. We're stuck with a river and, and rocks. And then when the sea parted, they looked around and said, what in the world is going on? And they got to the other side. And then the seas closed up and all the Egyptians that were chasing them on the chariots, they started seeing the bodies washing aside and they started rejoicing. And then they started taking a deep breath and saying, ah, oh, God is so good. You see, that's what God is trying to get us to understand. And in these moments and in these days that we're going to encounter and these, these, these discouragements and then these trials that we're going to go through, God is still good. God is still able to do everything because he wants you to understand that he is the author and the finisher of it all. He wants you to understand that he has his hand on you, whether you feel it or not. He wants to make sure you understand that he loves you so much, whether you realize it or not. Because he wants you to wholly have a hope in your life that will give you peace. There's a reason why God wants to cultivate rest in your life because the rest is the thing that helps produce this hope within you because you sense and feel that there's protection around you. But yet, we struggle. Can I just be real with you? Last week, I was given the message, I struggled. And I know, Sister Phyllis, you might roll your eyes at me with this because I already know. <laughs> she promises she won't. But on Saturday, the day before, I was watching this wonderful football game that I had waited for forever. And then all of a sudden at halftime, I turned it off and I looked at Melissa and I said, Honey, we're having family over. I don't want to get mad, discouraged, or angry because this does not look like it's going to go the way I want it to go. I said, put a fork in it, it's done, I'm angry. I was hopeless. I was hopeless. But yet I knew there was something within me that brings hope even greater. I was talking to Melissa last night, I said, honey, I said, I don't know what it is, but football, I love it, but it's not my priority. I don't get hope watching the Buckeyes beat Michigan every year. 
Lord knows I don't get hooked watching the Buckeyes barely go ahead and beat Purdue sometimes. I don't get hope watching a bunch of guys running around on a field scoring touchdowns be the thing that gives me joy. But yet we have so many in the world right now that look to those things and say, my life is good as long as my team is winning. I'm good because I got money in my bank account. I'm good because everything's smooth selling. My hope is in what I can see, feel, and touch, and all these different things. But what God is trying to tell us today is that your hope is never going to come from the hands of man. It's never going to come from the hands of man, ever. Yeah, I know I have a little bit of hope coming up because God magically touched USC and made them lose last night or on Friday night and put a glimmer of hope that my Ohio State Buckeyes might make it in the college playoffs. We'll find out in a couple hours. I know, I know, I know. Come on, let's just say it. OH. There we got one IO. Oh, and the brownies too, I know, I know. But one of the things that I love is the fact that God is still good. God is so good all the time, and all the time God is good. But there's something that we have to put into our hearts. And it's this one movie quote that for some reason, I don't know why it sticks in my head for so much. But it's this one movie where this one actor is a race car driver and all of a sudden he gets into a car wreck and he meets this brain surgeon because he got in such a bad car wreck. He had such a high swelling in his brain and he somehow gets into a relationship with her and she looks at him one day as he's driving erratically trying to show off his race car driving skills and she says, you're an idiot. And she says, you don't realize control is an illusion. That quote right there has messed me up since I was 10. I think I was 10. I might be 12. I don't know. I, all my years are running together. Can I just say, when we get older, it just all kind of connects, right? Man, I'm already over the hill. I'm 40 years old. I know. But control is an illusion was this one quote that I kept a hold of all these years and I keep looking at it and I keep repeating it in my head saying, God, why is that quote so powerful but it's so true? And what God is trying to tell the church right now is we want to take control of the reins of where we're going to go. We want to try to be the one that tries to control the beast of our direction with these little reins, hoping that it's going to do it and hoping that we have complete, utter control. But let me tell you, when you actually are on the reins, like the term comes from, with a horse and carriage, you're not always in control. That horse can any moment decide to not listen to you and take you in a direction you don't want to go. And that's the same thing that happens when we try to find the rest in our own ideas or try to find hope in our own ways of doing things. It's going to take you all over the place. Lord knows the Ohio State had my hope going in the wrong direction. I was, I'm trying to hold the steers saying, we're going to beat Michigan. I don't want to listen to Amy and Jim Thomas coming in here going, oh, look who won today. You know they're Michigan fans, right? Spoiler alert. But the truth is, what God is trying to get us to waken up to is the fact that he is the one that wants to make us aware that he is God, the whole total control. It's not an illusion with God. He is the one that's always in it, and he's always trying to lead us to it by producing hope within us. And we struggle with it. 
We struggle with it. Lord knows there are days that I go to this place called Chick-fil-A and I pull up in the drive-thru and I wait for them to say, how can we help you today? And I sit there and I wait and I get impatient and going, honey, why are they not answering me? She says, because it's Sunday. You ever go to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday? Let me tell you, you're going to get no service at all. But yet I get mad because I want it my way. I want it my how, my twos. I want my, my waffle fries and my chicken sandwich with mayonnaise ready to go on a Sunday. But I don't have control whether they're open. And what I feel that God is keeps telling us is that we need to take our eyes off of our own hands and start asking God, God, what do you want to do with my life right now to allow me to have an ability to stand strong and, 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 and faithful to you, God? And that's what we got to get to because we will never find hope in anything we can do, but we can always have hope when we look at who God is. Isaiah 41 goes on and tells us, Listen to me in silent, O coastland. Let the people renew their strength. Let the, them approach. Let them speak. Let us come or let us draw uh, together, draw near for judgment. Who stirred up the one from the east? Whom, vic or whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him so that the trampled kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble from his bow. His pursue, or he pursues them and passes on safety, on safely. By path, if I could speak this morning, by paths with his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning. I the Lord, the first and the last, am he. What God is trying to tell us this morning is that he's the one that's going to have it all. He's the one that's trying to produce something within you. And that's why we need to look to him for all the rest that we have. The rest of the rest is always going to be God and God alone. Never what you can do. Yeah, I could take a medicine and make me go to sleep, but I'm going to wake up droggy. But when I go and, and, and get connected with him, I can go to bed comfortable and, and confident that he's able to do whatever he needs to. I don't want to, like I told you, be the Christian that walks around saying, though I lay my head to sleep, my say, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I want to be the guy that goes to the bed and says, God, I don't care what I'm going to deal with or what you're going to do. If you want to call me home tonight, call me home. But if not, God, when I wake up, I want you to let me be so on fire for you that I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I don't want to have the rest of the rest where I'm just waking up saying, I'm just tired, let me go up and go do it tomorrow. Yes, my body is tired. Yes, I have five daughters. Yes, I have a wife who, who, who I have to love and do everything for. Yes, I'm a pastor of a church and I'm taking phone calls and text messages all the time. Yes, I'm tired, but I'm not spiritually tired. I want to be spiritually rested that, that that will translate within me that gives me the confidence to get through it. I want to have this hope that builds up, builds up within me, that pours over through me with everything that I do. Because hope is the confidence that by, by integrating God's redemptive act in the past with human uh, responses in the present. That's a definition that I found that I find is true. Or hope, according to the, the Hebrew version, is to wait or to look with eager anticipation. You see, what God is trying to say is your rest is perfect. If it's aligned with him. I'll go to bed fine. 
I'll deal with everything that comes at me. Every obstacle that comes at me. Melissa hates it. Melissa hates something about this happen. Because we've had so many seasons where we had uncertainty hit us, and she got to where she was restless. And then she looks at me and goes, why are you sleeping? And wakes me up and goes, wake up, why are you not stressing? And I said, honey, I don't know. I said, at the end of the day, I don't have any control over any of these things because control is an illusion. At the end of the day, if we have money in the bank, it's going to be because God gave it to us. It's because at the end of the day, if we have more kids, it's because God gives them to us. It's because if we have less kids, it's at the end of the day that God decided to call them home. It's because if I'm the pastor of a church or I'm not, it's because whatever God called me to do. It's because if I can speak his goodness, it's because he's given me the ability to do it. So in all of these things that I encounter, it's because God has given me these things. He's given me this rest that lets me go and sleep when you are so wound up, honey. And she says, I hate you. And I'm like, I'm like honey, I know. I know where your mind is. I know how you operate. I know all these different things. But I've walked my walk and I've walked my life in accordance to try to pursue him with everything that I have. And it's in those moments that I've seen his goodness come through. Because I know that at the beginning he says, I am the Lord your God. And at the end he says, I am going to be worshipped because I am the Lord your God. And all the middle in between stuff is frivolous in many ways. I have clothes on my back and I'm thankful. I have obstacles that I'm going to encounter, but he's with me. I have joy because he gives it to me. I have sadness because he's trying to teach me something. And all things, what I'm trying to get at, church, is that our hope is never going to be tied with the emotional connections of what we deal with. It's going to become with the connection because God is cultivating something within your life to allow you to have the hope in the rest. The hope in the rest. Because what God is trying to do is he's trying to waken us up to not think that it's a Burger King generation, but a true Chick-fil-A holiness, God's chicken kind of generation where it's closed on Sunday. Where you're allowed to have a season of downtime to trust him. Where you're allowed to have a moment in your day where you can say, God, I can wind up and calculate everything that I have. But at the end of the day, it's your math. You can make X plus Y equals Z, A, B, and Y all together, and it never make any sense. But I've seen it. I've seen it when God touches my finances the way he does. I shouldn't be able to pay what I have, but yet I seem like God just touches them because he's faithful. I've, be, I've learned that even when I go with less, it seems like it goes more because God is faithful. And what God is trying to say is it's time to let you rest in his presence. Trust in him. Wholeheartedly guide, be guided by him. Because God's plan is to provide you hope and rest. If he didn't want that, let me guarantee you right now, we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas. Yeah, I have to correlate it back to Christmas. If he didn't want you to have rest, he would not have given his son to come on this earth. Instead, Jesus would have looked at the, the thing saying, I'm not going down there, Lord, Father. I, I don't trust them. I don't want to let them have peace. I don't want to let them have hope. I don't want to let them have anything that's going on. 
Father, I don't want to go down there and deal with that sinful flesh. But if you look at the scripture, you find the truth. In Matthew, it talks about it. He says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When, the Mary, or when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they had come together, she found out she was pregnant with the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, received a resolve to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which she has conceived is of the Holy Spirit. For she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had already spoken to the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Church, Christmas is around the corner. The reason for the season is that he's trying to produce something within us because he loves us so much that he wasn't going to let you keep just going by your own idle way. Instead, he met you on that, mo that road when he decided to come some 2,000 years ago in the form of a baby and walk and deal with every sinful thing that you've ever encountered to say the words that he said in Matthew where he says, Come to me who are all weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. God set his purpose to give you that hope. He gave you that purpose to set you on path to understand and receive his truth that he loves you more than you'd ever want to know. He loves you more than you could ever calculate. He loves you even greater because he was willing to bankrupt heaven for you. He was willing to do it all just for you. He didn't want to be the God of the magnifying glass waiting for whom he was going to burn next with his, his, his fine-pointed light laser. He wanted to give you the ability to have this hope and this rest and his presence that he wants to have. Because he wanted to save you from all of your troubles. But all that comes from your choices. I told you, control is an illusion. But there is one choice that's not. That choice is always whether you'll receive his gift or not. To receive his love or not. To receive his rest or not. To receive his hope or not. Your choice is whether you receive God's truth or not. We live in a world that they're not receiving his truth. They're trying to make their own truth. They're trying to classify it as truth. They don't understand that there's one truth and only one truth. But yet, God is still saying, I don't care what bad wickedness they're in. I still want to save them if they'll just receive it. And that's where we come in. We come in as being the light bearers. We come in as being the truth bearers. We come in as being the rest bearers. We come in being the hope bearers. Because of what we hold on to. If you'll stand with me this morning, I see the time. I got five more pages of notes and I'll hit them next week, I probably. <laughs> but it's all about our choice. It's all about our choice of which way we want to walk. You see, God's always saying, I'll send my son because I love you but it's your choice to whether to walk and meet him. His word says, come to me all who are weary.
That means it's your choice to whether you come or you go. But what he's saying right now to this church, whether we're dealing with them, whether we've known them all of our lives, or whether we're just depleted and worn out, what he's saying is it's time right now to decide, are you going to come to me with your worries? Are you going to come to me with your, your heavy shoulders? Are you going to receive the thing that I'm going to show you? Are you going to let me teach you what I need to teach you? It's your choice. Come to me. It doesn't matter if you've lost your job. It doesn't matter if you're still struggling to pay your mortgage. It doesn't matter if you don't know what food is going to come on the next meal. He's saying, come to me and trust me. He'll give you the hope. Trust me, he'll give you the hope. With that being said, every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know who this is for. Have you been struggling and you don't know that he is your Lord? Have you never received him? And you want to receive him this morning and say, Lord, I'm so tired and I'm weary, but I want to come to you. If that's you, raise your hand this morning. If that's you online, let us know that's you online. And we're going to pray a prayer in a minute. Because I believe that it doesn't matter if you're in this body right now or if you're watching online. It's all the same. Church, I don't know why I feel so heavy. Normally, I don't like to see if I see a hand in the room, whether I say it. But I want you all to say this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Restore my soul. Give me a future and a hope that's locked away in the promise that you fulfilled when you died on the cross for me. But better yet, when you rose from the dead. So God, right now, I receive your promise that you'll give me rest. So Lord, I declare... You are the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer online this morning or even in the house, just know that it's always going to come from your heart that that matters. The words don't matter unless it comes truly from your heart. But I want to ask, is there anybody that's weary and tired this morning that needs rest? Let me tell you, come to him. Start praying to Him. Start seeking after Him. Start trusting in Him because He will give you the ability to get through so many things. I've watched Him move mountains when mountains shouldn't move. I've watched Him change situations when they shouldn't have. I've watched Him open doors when doors shouldn't have opened. But that's because He's the one in control. So why don't we trust Him? Father God, Lord, right now, we just give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. God, Lord, I ask you to just touch every single member in this church, Lord. I ask that you just move upon them and give them strength, Lord, to rely on you and your hope. In the hope that you give us and the rest that we deserve, or that we don't deserve, that we need. God, I ask you to just move upon us, Lord. Let us go through this life, Lord. Let us go through this next season of this week, Lord, and just trust in you a little harder, a little longer, with a little bit more courageousness, God. Touch those that are sick, Lord, today. Let them wholeheartedly trust you in those moments as you touch their bodies, Lord. Lord, touch every single one of the kids, Lord, that have been sick for weeks, God, to give them the strength to get over it, God. I'm so sick and tired of illnesses in this area and this region. God, we ask that you do the impossible and bring a healing touch on all of them. Touch us all, Lord. Strengthen us all, Lord. Give us hope and the rest that we, we so long for, Lord, with your presence. And be with us, God, and just move upon us, Lord.
Touch Yetta and Mike, Lord. Touch Tim, uh, Timmy and Sam and Jim and Amy and all the, the Price kids, Lord, and every single one that is sick, Lord, today. And, Lord, just be with us. Guide us, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. But, God, let us just see you move as we wholeheartedly hand it over to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Hey, church, I love you all. I'm thankful that you came this morning. Go and enjoy the week. Go and enjoy your family. And go and be the church because the church is leaving the building. I'll see you all next week.